Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. So, uh, yeah, so how do you feel? Good, good, I'm glad. Hey, listen, we're talking about emotion. It's, it's interesting. Um, uh, we look at our world, and if you were to pick, and maybe it's just people I hang out with, which is, I guess, you know, I, I don't know. But it seems like people are, I don't know, there's a lot of anger in the world right now. It seems like a lot of anger. Everybody's mad at everybody, or, or a lot of fear right now. What's going to happen in Taiwan or Ukraine or whatever? There's just, just a lot of emotions floating around, you know? And I just want to point out that, that emotions are good, uh, if appropriate, at a given moment, and, and they're gifts from God, and it's, it, but they can't be in charge. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And I was going to get up and say, uh, I don't have a sermon because I didn't feel like preparing it. But you wouldn't buy that because emotions can't be the rulers in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about. Uh, let me just begin by reading, just uh, since we're uh, finishing up Proverbs here, let me, let me just read a bunch of the Proverbs um, as soon as I can find them here. I don't know what I did with them. Um, and because, uh, they're there, uh, there's a lot of talk in Proverbs about emotion. There's not a lot of prescriptions for fixing them. Uh, so we're probably going to look at other, we're going to look at other parts of scripture. Let me just read these quickly. And you'll just pick up all the emotions to talk about. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whoever is, a, is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. There's a lot of different emotions described there, and I want to talk about uh, emotions today, and I'm excited about it. Uh, feelings. Uh, there is one uh, fairly large religion in the world that suggests that feelings are not important. You should uh, kind of move feelings away uh, and not feel them. But that's not Christianity. Christianity isn't anti-feelings. Uh, feelings are something in, in emotion. I'm going to use those words interchangeably. It could be, there could be distinctions. I don't have time to make them today. Um, emotions are good. Uh, you remember that we had a guy named, uh, what was his name? David... Uh, we, he spoke here uh, some a time ago, and he was a sociopath, and he became a Christian in prison. Anybody remember David Wood? Anybody remember him? He led Nabil to faith. You remember him? Uh, there was this funny thing that happened. They were, they were up in the um, up in the, the green room, get ready, and, and uh, they were putting the mic on him and stuff. And I think Cody was helping him out, and, and he said, "And he said, okay, turn your neck. Can you feel the mic so it doesn't you know grab on your your neck or whatever? Just have enough." He goes, "I'm a sociopath. I don't feel anything." And they just looked at Cody. 
security said it freaked me out. <laughs> What's weird about that is he doesn't have emotions. We're meant to have emotions. We're supposed to have emotions. It's a part of life. It's, it, it adds the color to life. It, it's great. Jesus had emotions. Um, he felt anger. That's why he overthrew the tables in the temple. He was sad when uh, Lazarus died. Emotions are not a problem uh, until they're a problem. Because not all emotions are appropriate, uh, the appropriate emotion in a given moment. Sometimes we have emotions that aren't appropriate. Think about the Good Samaritan. Sorry, the Good Samaritan. Here's what it says. Remember the guy was beaten up, left for dead on the road, uh, and robbed in, in Matthew 10, 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Samaritan had, in this parable, had the right emotion. But if you remember that story, there were two other guys, Jewish guys, who, uh, by the way, the Jews and Samaritan hate each other, and Jesus was using their enemy to make a point about them, uh, his own people. Uh, and so he was pointing out, this guy took pity. What did the other two feel? Because two others walked right by and left him there to die. What were they feeling? Whatever emotion they were feeling was inappropriate right? So emotions can either be in, uh, embraced or rejected in a given moment, but the way you do that is very important. So emotions should never be making the choices in our life. We cannot make choices based on emotion or even anticipated emotion. I think we live in a world where a lot of people make emotional decisions, um, and in reality, it doesn't benefit them and it doesn't benefit us. So let me give you an example. I'm not an expert on this. I'm not trying to take a political side on this. But homelessness has become uh, just uh, um, uh, not even a divisive thing, just an unsolvable problem, it seems. And so think about how we kind of got here. People felt bad that people with mental illness are being institutionalized or people didn't want to tell other people they couldn't do drugs, or, and I know those aren't the only two things, I, I get that, but I'm just saying that because of the way we felt, we made decisions not to do certain things to certain people. But the problem is we've been left with an inhumane situation. We're letting people live and die on the streets, which we wouldn't do for dogs. I, I don't want to be too harsh, but think about it. And the, the problem is, it's not just a complex, and obviously it's a complex political issue, but, but feelings might have been a part of what got us in this mess. And feelings are keeping us from solving it. Does that make sense? Now you can agree or disagree. You'd be wrong if you disagreed. But um, no, I'm, I'm not an expert. I just, I just know that something needs to be done. But feelings, we only feel bad that people, well, now we're doing something worse, you know, but we don't feel like, or, I don't want to have some point, you got to stand up and you got to know truth. You got to see things the way they are and you make decisions and your feelings need to align with those. Your emotions need to align with what is true. Now, um, emotions shouldn't be made. Here, let me, let me uh, give you this quote that I really like. Emotions make good servants and terrible masters. Good servants, terrible masters. And I'll explain that in the next few minutes. If we have unlimited, unsubordinated, disordered emotions in our life. Emotions just running free. You ever see a little kid when they get tired and they have a meltdown? You know, like a little kid, like a little toddler, you know, and they just haven't had their nap and they just have a meltdown. It's usually a target. 
And they're just, and mom is so embarrassed. And all the other parents go, no, no, we get it. We understand, right? You you ever see that? I've seen some adults act that way, by the way. Yeah. And just emotions are all over the place. Um, What we need to realize is that emotions need to be ordered. They need to be chosen. So let me give you some things. And then we'll look at some scripture I think is the only real solution. One is that emotions, you can't repress Uh, deny them or repress them. But what you can do is name them. And naming helps. uh, Because in naming, you acknowledge it. So so guys, most guys only have like one or two emotions. And we don't even admit to that most of the time, okay? But we're okay with anger because that's a manly emotion. And sometimes like elation when our team wins. Um, But uh, here's the reality. If we name the emotion, we recognize that it's there, we name it as a beginning uh, of examining it to see if it's the appropriate emotion at a given moment, um, then we can also look at the cause of it. All right, so here's the deal. Emotions are just the sensations we have given the conditions that we're experiencing. Uh, and, And the reality is, is we have those emotions, not automatically as you might assume, but you choose them. You may choose them really quickly. It feels instantaneous. So let me, let me just give an example of this. Um, let's say you get punched in the face. Let's say you get punched in the face. Now, what emotion are you probably going to feel? Anger, right? Anger, whatever. What if I told you that it was my one-year-old granddaughter who accidentally hit you in the face because she was so excited to see you? What's your emotion going to be then? Well, you're not going to be angry, right? That's silly. But the point is that your condition was punched in the face. How you responded was a decision, right? Your emotion was decided upon really quickly, but it was decided upon. So here's what we need to realize. We can own our emotions. We can name them. We can look at the cause of them or the condition we find ourselves in that we chose based on that to have this emotion. Sometimes when we do that, we'll even find that the emotion we're exhibiting is not only inappropriate, it's unrelated to a given issue. You woke woke up one day, wait, what do they say? Uh, Woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? You're just in a foul mood, nasty mood, negative emotions, uh, but you can't quite figure out exactly what it was. And you're mean to everybody until realize, oh yeah, yesterday somebody said something, I'm still ticked about that, right? Yeah? So it may not be related to a situation, or it may be that you're <laughs> expressing anger when it's something much deeper. All of us guys, who, you know, our only emotion is anger is because we don't know how to look deeper for the cause. Because the, re- the truth is that your emotion, your anger may actually be hurt or fear, and you just don't know how to, you haven't trained your, your ability to express appropriate and, find, and, and uh, choose appropriate emotions. Uh, so uh, recently... I was away from the church, even out of town, and a woman um, uh, just teed off on me, just teed off, angry, oh, just mad, emotional, and, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I didn't do anything, I had nothing to do with this situation, really, and, uh, but I realized what was happening in that moment. Now, in that moment, she was mad at me, but what was really happening, if she had trained the ability to look at her emotions and to choose them appropriately, she would have realized she wasn't mad at me, she was deeply sad because of a loss. She had experienced a loss, a a, a tough loss in her life, a, 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 a loved one. And 
rather than having the maturity and the ability to say, I am deeply saddened, she got angry. Why? Because she didn't know how to do sad. Anger is easy to do because you can point at somebody and it's their fault. Sad is really hard because you can't blame anybody. When loss comes, then you just got to deal with the loss. And it's much easier if you are feelings-based, feelings-oriented. It's much easier to find someone to blame than to own the process of mourning. Does that make sense? I finally said to this person, they were just just going on. I said, we're done. We're done. This isn't going to get you anywhere, and I'm not going to enjoy it very much. We're done. And I walked away. By the way, this person also had done something else. So not only were they not identifying the real cause or the real condition they were in that caused them, or they decided to choose anger out of that, they began to, they began to, so they didn't want to experience loss, the mourning and sadness of loss. They chose anger, but it wasn't really kind of fixing. It was just, it was angry. Alcohol. See, because when, you're, when you are worried more about the feeling than the reality, the condition, you will do anything to chase a better feeling. One way to chase it was to be mad at me. I had nothing to do with this. Another way to chase it was to drink. So at least I could forget how sad I am. Right? You see, feelings chasing is one of the worst things we can do. Feeling chasing. Because here's the deal. The, just because you feel a way doesn't mean a certain way. doesn't mean the condition exists. I can feel peaceful, but I might not be at peace. I might just be drunk or high or having ice cream. <laughs> so I can chase the feeling. I can artificially generate that feeling temporarily, but if I'm doing that at the expense of looking at the real issues of my life, I'm not, I'm not moving forward. It's destructive. Does that make sense? Yes? No? You don't want to talk about it? Don't feel like talking about it. Okay, I got it. Um, so, so part of what addiction is, is chasing a better feeling. Whatever the addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, whatever it might be. Um, so better to find the actual condition and address that and then allow the feelings to follow um, the resolution of the conflict, the, the determination to walk t- through grief appropriately, whatever it might be. Um, we can never cherish, protect, or even manipulate feelings directly in ourselves or in someone else. Except there's one exception, and that's in the case of severe depression. In that case, you have to treat the symptoms so you can get healthy enough to treat the cause. Um, so, what do you do? Do you deny? Do you repress feelings? Um, no. You look at them. They need to be accepted or exchanged. Do not become enslaved by them. They need to be accepted. So, I, so my, uh, my son and I, we built a, we, uh, had, had my house built a few years ago, and he and I did the, a lot of the finish work inside, and we hung the doors and all that stuff, and we had, we had two pocket doors in my, the master bedroom's bathroom, and in, uh, in one of the pocket doors, 
um, I put it in, uh, the one that goes to the, to the, to the water closet, the toilet, and, um, and I forgot to put uh, two pieces of molding in. And so if you don't know what's going on, um, you can close this pocket door, but then you have a problem because the backside of the pocket door extends beyond the jam. And I forgot to say, I didn't put a handle on it either. <laughs> Yet. It's only been five years. So, um, And so the only way to move this door is to push against it and then slide it, right? But the problem is when it's beyond the jam, you push and it just goes like this, but not enough that you can get out. Just enough so you can see out. You can see freedom, but you can't get there. My son-in-law, Matt, did that. And, uh, and we left him there for about three days. It was, uh, it was mean, but it was so fun. No, we didn't do that. He did get stuck in there, though. Help, help. And life, if, you're, if your emotions are just without boundaries, without rails, they're just swinging back and forth, it'll, it'll destroy you. It'll wipe you out. We need to, the Bible says that we can take captive every thought. We can take captive our thoughts that are deciding what emotions are appropriate in this situation. We can look at them. We can say, is this like Jesus? Is this what God would have me do? Or is this me moving into self-destructive patterns? Those are legitimate things to do with emotion. Um, and by the way, lack of emotion as well. If you're in a situation and, and, you're, and you're acting like you're David Wood and you have no emotions, maybe you need to wake up a little bit. Maybe this requires you to, to empathize in some way. Um, so, uh, accept them as the appropriate or exchange them, but don't be enslaved by them. Um, if you don't deal with destructive feelings, emotions, they will invade all parts of your life. All parts of your life. Um, oftentimes, this is why it is so hard to change someone's lifestyle who's in a, in a, in a, in a self-destructive pattern uh, because of the emotions associated with what happened to them. So um, I'm just going to give you this, uh, this Dallas Willard wrote this many years ago, the late Dallas Willard, long before anything was kind of some of the current stuff we're seeing. And he wrote about a woman that he had met and she was in a, in a downward spiral and he traced it back to um, what the real condition was. And here's, here's how he talks about it. She, she uh, felt mistreated by her husband and at work. He doesn't comment whether it was true or not. He just says she felt mistreated. And therefore, she feels a, a strong sense of injustice and outrage. And she has recruited a whole group of people who agree. And who agree that, that what happened to her is terrible and she should be mad and she should be angry. And, and that's how she should live. And, and other people have kind of rallied around her to, to kind of justify that. He calls it, uh, Dallas Willard calls it, um, uh, the root of bitterness. She allowed, it's taken from Hebrews 12, she allowed a root of bitterness in. And in, in doing so, she has now, it, it has invaded all parts of her life. And so that now the main goal of her psyche and her operate, um, MO in life is to protect her status as someone who has been mistreated. And he doesn't say it wasn't true. She might actually have been mistreated. But her whole life is about outrage and, and, and having experienced injustice. And anyone who would come to that and either challenge whether that's accurate or not, or challenge that that's not the best identity, primary identity to have in your life to move forward is considered an enemy. 
They can't be heard. They can't be allowed in because everything in her being is now around protecting that part of who she is, that emotion uh, associated with injustice, uh, uh, experiencing injustice and, and mistreatment. This summer, we have a series of speakers in July, some great speakers. You're going to love them. Uh, uh, J.P. Moreland is one of them. You've heard him before. He's great. Uh, but uh, we have some others you haven't heard. One of them is a uh, former gang member in L.A. and uh, now does prison ministry, uh, having done a significant amount of time himself. And I won't steal all of his thunder, but I'm going I'm to give the plot away a little bit here. In his life, he had such family of origin challenges, not, not only um, um, disenfranchised in society, but internal relational dysfunction. And at a very early age, began to act out of the anger and because of the physical violence in the home and all kinds of stuff, and went to, went to prison very early. Got out, did it again, and just uh, a habitual offender. And... Um, and it was all because of the hatred and the rage uh, of what had happened and who had done what to him. And after, he's going to tell you about a significant event in his life. And someone sat him down and said, you can be mad and angry about all that. It's perfectly legitimate. And you're going to end up back in jail. You're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. You've been close a couple times. Next time, you're done. The other option is you could let all that go, knowing that it was bad, it was wrong. Let go and decide to become someone else in the future. Instead of your primary experience of being anger and violence and rage all the time, you could exchange that for something better. And he went on to explain that the way you do that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're going to hear his story this summer. It's very moving. The reality is if you have experienced this. Nobody's saying it wasn't painful. Nobody's saying it wasn't uh, injustice. But what we're saying is there is a different way forward. Whatever you've experienced and you've attached your identity because of the emotions you feel about it, is that getting you where you need to go? Not only in this life, but the life to come. Or would it be better to let that injustice go and let the God who brings justice worry about that? You let it go and decide to exchange those emotions, those strong feelings, however justified they might have been, for something better like love, peace, and joy. See, that's what Christ came to do. He came to bring us inexhaustible love, peace, and joy. We, in our human short-sightedness, even if we can justify it, why would we choose to live in anger and rage and bitterness or even fear and anxiety and worry or lust or greed or jealousy? Why would we swim in that cesspool when we can be free to experience love? Joy, peace. See, it's in Christ that we're able to make a different decision about how we're going to feel and how we're going to go forward. It needs to be exchanged. Um, here's what it says in Galatians 5.22, very familiar passage. But the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, it's singular fruit. It's, it's all these aspects of what the Spirit is at work in our life. Here are the aspects. The fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Somebody might be tempted to walk here and go, well, I'm just going to change the way I, I react. I'm going to change the way I think. I got bad news. You probably aren't. But the Holy Spirit, a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit working you could, could change. It could change you. It could change your worldview, your primary set of emotions, that your, your go-to feelings. The foundations of the fruit of the Spirit Really helpful in managing. Let's just look, let's just look at one of them. I don't have time to go through all. Of it. Let's just look at let's just look at love. Let's just think about love for a moment. Here's what it says in First John, four eighteen. There is no fear emotion. There is no fear negative emotion, self destructive emotion. Sometimes fear is appropriate. Most of the time, it's not. There is no fear because this, and let me just let me say that we don't we don't live out in the woods where there are grizzly bears, right? Fear would be a pretty helpful thing if you lived out there. You don't even live in, in a place, most of us don't even live in a place of really high crime. We think we do because the news tells us that, but statistically, you don't. You don't. So fear is on overdrive with us because that's what the media tells us, and that's, that's how they get clicks on, clickbait. If they can keep us angry or afraid, we're going to click more. The algorithms are eating our lunch. You need to wake up to that. You're welcome. There, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, God's love, perfect love is from God. God's love casts out fear. That's the beginning of different emotions, is a relationship, a loving relationship with God. Um, here, here are four things I'm going to give you real quick. First thing, you want to start changing your emotions, the way you react to things. Know that God loves you. Romans 5, 6. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The most important thing about you is not your family of origins and what you've been through. It's not even what you've achieved and who you are in the community. The most important thing about you and about me is that God loves us. God loves us. And the Bible says that there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from that love of God. We commit our lives to know Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus, and he loves us. And no matter what bad things people would say, no matter what happens at work, God loves us. You are no longer a little child being beat up or thrown back and forth or even someone who's worried about their image. You are now a child of God and there is nothing greater to be and nothing can take that away from you. Stand tall, chin out, you are a child of God. If you, if you can grasp that, if you can understand that all this worry, all this stuff, all this image management, it all goes out the window. No matter what happens in your circumstances, no matter what happens in your body even, you're a child of God. That means you are loved more than you can possibly believe. It means your eternity is, is certain. You come to accept Christ. That should bring us joy, no matter what the circumstances. I am loved by God, and therefore, because God loved me first, I want to love him back. I want to love him back. We love, 1 John four nineteen. we love because he first loved us. What does that do? If I am in a loving relationship with God, it means I have made peace with God. More accurately, I've accepted the peace offer he made me on the cross. I am at peace with God. I no longer have to chase the peaceful feeling because 
in fact, my condition is a person who is at peace with God. That is the fact. Now I can be peaceful no matter what else happens. I'm not generating. I'm not, I'm not faking. I am at peace with God. Therefore, I am at peace. I can experience that peace. There's a thing that happens, and uh, we all kind of let the emotions get up front. And I've told you so many times when I sit down to pray, I write my prayers because I see shiny things and lose track. So, and I always want to start my prayer. I'm like, Lord, and I just want to tell him what's going on. I just want to tell him, just make sure he knows because he probably doesn't know. And Lord, I just, and then I go, erase, 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 erase. Lord, you are good. You are kind. You are loving. You are powerful. And by the time I get done reminding myself and acknowledge to God who he is, and then I begin to articulate all the things that he has done for me, by the time I'm done with those things, my feelings have changed. I've exchanged whatever anger, frustration I had when I came into that room for feelings of gratitude because God has been so good to me. I start with him, not my situation and not my feelings. I have to start with him. And when I am in a loving relationship with Almighty God, I can be at peace. If I find my peace evaporating, I just need to go sit down with God, have a little conversation. Just kind of talk of what's going on here. Remind myself who God is and, and the fact that he loves me. It changes everything. All right, I'm going to finish this up quickly. God loves me. I choose to love God. I can be at peace because of that. Listen to Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. And the King James says, those whose minds are stayed on thee. If our minds are about Jesus, we're mindful of God's goodness and God's love. We can live at peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can be at peace. I can have joy because God loves me. I can be at peace because I've been reconciled to God. If I turn my heart to him in faith, I can have hope because I know his character I know his track record. Let me finish with this quote. The Scottish pastor from a bygone era says this, a growing Christian is one who has learned to do the natural thing spiritually and the spiritual thing naturally. In other words, God goes with me everywhere I go. Everything I do is of spiritual value. It is an honor to interact with people. It is a privilege to go to a nice grocery store and buy some really good vegetables. Thank you, God, that I get to do this. And the more I practice that, the more it becomes natural for me to react, to make that decision about emotions more like Jesus would. I, uh, I used to think when I was younger that when you got older, you wouldn't have to struggle with emotions so much. And if somebody could help me out when that kicks in, I'm ready. Uh, if you could just kind of give me a date when that kicks in. The truth is, we struggle with our emotions always. We struggle with having the appropriate not living in fear when God's in control. Not living in anger when God is justice. Not, not reacting in every little, little kind of offense we perceive. Because Christ died on the cross for me. How can I be offended? As we grow as Christians, we need to think that way more. 
We need to think about God's goodness, about God's intention, God's plans, God's sacrifice. And we'll find ourselves less and less whipped back and forth by whatever circumstances we are, we are responding to. Today, my prayer for you is that you'll experience God's love in such a powerful way. It'll affect the way you feel every day, all day. And as it does, you and I will become stronger and stronger, more like Jesus, greater impact in our community, nicer family members, frankly, better people. And God intends for that to happen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much. You are so good. Lord, you, um, yeah, you came. You paid a price so that we could be reconciled to God. You ascended into heaven and promised that we would go there someday to be with you so that we would always have hope. And so, Lord, today, I pray for anybody who's struggling, maybe even with depression, or maybe just a, a little sadness, or maybe just an ongoing bitterness and anger that's been there for years. Lord, help us step into the light and respond in light of what you have done. Let us step into your love, your goodness, your intention for our lives. Help us become more like Jesus. Help us be less controlled by the news we see on the TV or internet and more controlled by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, developing the fruit of the Spirit. Lord God, we need your help, but we want to be more like you. We ask that you would help us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.